Hello, and thank you for tuning into the show. A quick caveat before you dive in. This was recorded pre-COVID-19. The views, the ideas, the conversation that was shared, the perspectives were all done in a pre-pandemic world. So please listen to the show as there's some fantastic information and some great takeaways. Just know that it was recorded before the pandemic that has ultimately changed all of our lives. Thank you for listening. Keep learning, keep curious, and keep supporting our community. Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited, as I am extra excited today, because we get to have a little play date, so we're going to talk about that in a second. I'm sitting here with Miss Janelle Peterson. Hey, Janelle. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thanks for coming in this morning. I had a full seven and a half hours of sleep last night, which is more than I can say for the last few weeks. <laughs> so you're, you're an entrepreneur and a relatively new mom? Yes, my daughter and is you got seven and three. And you got seven and a half hours sleep. Well, that sounds like a, that, the, the, celebrate the wins. Totally. <laughs> Oh, as I get older, I appreciate sleep much more. I know. And you seem to need more of it. <laughs> yeah. And there's, I, I think we can justify it. There's lots of research out there now around sleep and the benefits. And, you know, sleep deprivation is a form of torture. And I think as an entrepreneur, we put ourselves through that. So I'm holding um, a box, which I'm going to get you to describe. I'm not going to open it. We're going to open it a little bit later. Uh, I should have a video going. We could do an unboxing video. Uh, <laughs> Jointhewildlife.ca. This is your new business. You and I met back in, in, I think, December at an event. And you, I think, were one month in at that point to going full-time on this idea. And I see wildlife outdoor adventures on the end. So without any more suspense, tell us a little bit about this box that I'm holding and what you're, what you're, what you're up to. Yeah, we started working on this project uh back in last April, uh, my brother and I, and basically it was a concept to get kids outdoors more often. And initially the idea had stemmed from back when we were kids, we had participated in this program that was put on by BC Parks. It was called the Jerry's Rangers program. And every year we'd go camping out in uh, British Columbia for two weeks with our family and you'd go get your Jerry's Rangers certificate from the Nature Hut, and then you had to accomplish a few different activities, and you get your stickers, and then it was followed up with um, these amphitheaters in the evenings where naturists would come out and talk to you about the bears or woodpeckers or bats or a really interesting outdoor, or they do um, they bring in a big telescope and look at the stars, and then you'd get your stickers throughout the week on your certificate, and you'd become a Jerry's Rangers. You get your Jerry's Rangers moose antlers at the end of it. Nice. And it's also it was, very, very uh, ritual, very ceremonial. <laughs> among among many other things uh, we did outdoors as kids, it was like one of the things that we remembered the most about um, our outdoor experiences was this program. And at the time, my brother had been uh, laid off and he wasn't working. And um, I said, you know, we should start we- meeting once a week and flushing out this idea and we had joked around about just creating something for our own kids to do in the summer you know Mm -hmm. print up a certificate get some stickers get them outdoors and then as we kept meeting and talking about it um we kind of built out the idea further into including um outdoor gear and then some activities of what to do with the gear and some sort of program type thing with different themes and um so that was the initial idea and then from that we started looking into kind of the delivery mechanism of how, how, how do we get, get this? this to the world so yeah. last april so whatever we're we're Mar- we're mid-march so you're just coming up on a year of like really when the idea started to be like okay this is let's do something with this yeah it's been about a year of like grinding it out <laughs> um the idea <laughs> look, look has face, been you're like just yeah <laughs> grinding i believe you <laughs> um the idea of really, like, we've been talking about it for years, kind of around the campfire and things like that, because the program, so much funding has been cut from yes. uh, the national parks and programs well, even like rec- this. Even recently in Alberta, that we just went through that, like, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Totally. But since we were kids, like, this program basically now is a coloring book with a moose in it, and it talks a little bit about some So not quite the same from your perspective. So just yeah. growing up from a family, like, outside of, obviously, you guys got, went off to moose, um, uh, Ranger, Jer- sorry, Ranger Jerry, did I get that right? <laughs> Ranger Jerry's camp to get your moose handlers. Was being outdoors, was that always part of your life? Did you grow up with that? Was, like, was that instilled? Like I know some families are more outdoor oriented than others growing up. Yeah, we spent a lot of time outdoors. I wouldn't say that my parents were hardcore outdoor enthusiasts. Like you okay. see sometimes um, these days, you, the kids' parents have their three-year-olds rock climbing and uh, backcountry camping and, and stuff like that. You were like just that. a good old Canadian family who did some stuff outdoors. <laughs> yeah, we did spend a lot of time outdoors and um, we did like 
car camping for two weeks every summer. That was okay. how we spent our family vacation. Um, but my, my family's been in Calgary for uh, six generations, and my mom's side of the family all had farms, and then my dad's family had a ranch out in the, the foothills. So um, we spent the weeks during um, in the suburbs of Calgary, but uh, on the weekends we spent time out Go on out to the farm. a ranch or a farm. Yeah. So it's always been kind of an underpinning. So curious, did you uh, play video games growing up? We did, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I did not. I was like, get outside. Really? percent. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I'm kind of glad you, you asked that because I think lots of times we put um, outdoor people in this special category, but we weren't special outdoor people. We um, spent lots of times playing Zelda and Double Bubble and Nintendo. Okay. My brothers were super into um, Marvel trading cards, and we spent lots of time inside too, but we it was a better balance than we're seeing today with Okay, um, I appreciate kids. that perspective because it does tend to be two extremes when you talk about like, you know, get outside or like, oh, you're wasting your life doing this over here or oh, kids today don't get outside enough. I like what you said. There is, it is still about looking about the rounded perspective, but clearly you guys saw a gap as I reach over and put my hand on this cool box over here. You guys saw a gap of, of the structure. A video game creates a lot of structure. It's gamified. It's addictive. Yeah. It's all those things. Yeah. Where outdoors, sometimes when you're 10, maybe a little bit of extra direction in that would help, which is kind of where you guys stepped into yeah so we've come up with this concept that uh, we would provide these outdoor adventure kits on a monthly basis and they have different themes every month and we started looking when we were talking about the delivery model for the business at um, what the subscription box industry as a whole is doing across North Mm -hmm. America and we thought um, to be successful in our goal which is to get kids outdoors more often we had to be in their home you know more than just in the summer over vacation or just while camping so we wanted something to come into the house every month that would inspire you to do activities outdoors whether it was in your backyard or um, in the backcountry interesting it doesn't always have to be an elaborate adventure your backyard can be the adventure totally some of my (laughs) fondest memories we had these like tall um, bushes in our front yard that um, flanked the back alley and uh, we would go out there and play with G.I. Joes and army ants. I love the word, you like, used the word flank. I was like, okay, there's got to be a G.I. Joe something coming <laughs> in. The tall, we had another side of my parents' house, there was a lilac bush, but the center was kind of hollow. It right? was a perfect fort. It was like built to be a fort. It was amazing. And it's so funny too. When <laughs> it's you exactly go, what I'm thinking of when you're talking. When you go back to those places as an adult, you're like, oh, this isn't big at all, but it felt massive Huge. when we were kids, you know? I love pers- I love perspective. Um, curious, I want to, curious, big surprise, I'm curious. We talked about this a little bit offline about the, the the being an entrepreneur, being working in marketing, working in communications. You get to learn about other businesses. Do you have any insights? What's going on with the, talk about the box? This the subscription box model. You you did a little bit of research on that. I'm sure all of our, our listeners know what it is. Mm-hmm. But when did that kind of get started? Where's that industry? Like you obviously assess kind of where that industry is in terms of its maturity. It seems like there's a box for everything now. Yeah, I think it seems to have started to be uh, more popular from about 10 years ago. Okay. Like some of the ones that we see now that are kind of household names, like um, in the kids industry, like KiwiCo is a market leader, but in the uh, boxed food, like um, Chef's Plate, which is a Canadian company that started, um, are about somewhere between five and 10 years old. Okay, so so it's relatively, in terms of maturity of the industry, it's people are comfortable with that model. Yeah, I think so. And And... Not just the subscription boxes, but making purchases online and oh, the security yes. and things like that is so much better. The fear has dropped significantly around like, oh, if you give them your credit card, bad things are going to happen. That now can, we're willing yeah. to like click the side of their phone and get your face yes. recognized and make your purchase right yeah, the resistance, the resistance, because it's always about resistance and what points are holding customers back. I think just the overall cultural adoption of that is much higher. So decrease the barrier for you guys coming in at this point. Mm. Definitely. Um, I think there's a number of different kinds of subscription boxes in terms of the way they kind of do the value proposition. You've got um, things like the candy crates and things like that, where they're like, oh, you're going to get a bunch of unique candies and it's going to be 
$100 worth of candy for $50. So there's that. Yeah. Um, Variety and discount. <laughs> yes. There, a lot of them are kind of discount based where yes, they're creating I've, I've value. I've seen a lot of those. Um, through that. And then you've got something like Chef's Plate where they're really pitching convenience and... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're paying a slight premium if you were going to... I was just talking to my friend about it the other day who's doing it. And I was like, okay, if I bought that food in the store, this is going to be what it would cost. But the convenience factor of not going to the store, it definitely, as we're looking for more convenience, so that is strong. Where this was much more about creating a system or a program. I heard you say that a couple times. Yeah, and um, so everything in the boxes uh, we've created to be completely customized for us. So it's not trying to think but yeah it's not anything that you could buy in a store oh so there is some ah okay yeah. get, uh, exclusively available here mm. yeah so it's a lot of it is wildlife branded because we've adapted things so they're um better suited for kids or um just to be interesting and unique to our colors and things like that okay so from a business model perspective <laughs> you guys have definitely you're not just um boxing up other people's products, you're actually doing some of your own branding and actually taking some ownership over really curating every single item in the box. Yes. Oh, yeah. Cool. Which is That's a cool value prop. Way more work. <laughs> Absolutely. You made the comment, you know how many stitches per inch are now quality and what is not quality. The things you have to learn to do yeah. what you just described. Yeah, we did look at like um, um, some of the Canadian manufacturers of camping goods, like... Um, not Coleman's, but there's another company that... Uh, Coleman's would have been the first one that came to my mind as well. That does some work with Campers Village. Okay. Um, but it's really hard to... Everyone's, you know, there's margin at every of step of the process. So in order to get the boxes somewhere that we felt were providing enough value and at a um, accessible price point, we basically had to do it ourselves I'm assuming that for something like this price sensitivity and really keeping that in check, there's there's probably definitely a ceiling where, especially for early adopting people are going to like, how much do I want to invest in that? Did you guys do a lot of research around that or was it, is it, is it a little bit of trial and error? I know it's early days, but I don't want to get into your pricing strategy, but that's a tough one as an entrepreneur is understanding it's how to price tough. things. It's not easy. Um, there's quite a bit of data in the subscription box market, um, but it's typically North American data. Um, so we did look at that. And then last August, we did do two rounds of focus groups with parents. And um, that really helped us be a little bit more confident with our pricing. Okay, excellent. I think it's actually, it's a pretty big problem if you talk to a lot of parents. It's a pretty big pain point um, that kids are not spending enough time outdoors in their opinion. And even a friend of mine is a, a pediatrician has a clinic here in Calgary and there's 11 pediatricians that work with her. And they said it's the, um, above, uh, above and beyond like actual medical conditions that they're yes. seeing. Uh, but behaviorally it's the biggest, most frequent complaint from parents is how to get my kids outdoors more often. Um, years ago they said it was, how can I get my kid to eat healthy food? And right. now this has overlapped that. That's an, that's an, that's an, inter- and as an, in, as an entrepreneur, you look for insights. You had your yeah. own personal belief, but like, mm-hmm. okay, am I, am I right? Or is it just, just my own view of the world? And for a lot of parents, let's be honest, I'm not, I'm not a parent. I'm a, I will self, I'll self diagnose that. <laughs> you're super busy, you're slammed and you've got to come home on Thursday night and put together a weekend program because there's the kicking your, kicking your kids outside, but mm-hmm. there's actually creating something that's going to engage them, educate them and experience. Those are two different approaches to outside. <laughs> totally. And, um, so maybe six months ago, my brother's wife kind of came on board as okay. well. So, um, my brother and his wife each have 12 and a half percent of the company and, um, She's a working mom. I'm a working mom. So we kind of had that insight as well. And it's not, and we're both creative and we're both like to be outdoors. But at the end of the day, it's just, you are, you're exhausted. And it's hard to have all the materials and the gear ready to tell your kid, here, go outside, do this activity. And here's the things you need to do it. Um, Provide just, just enough structure to then allow them to be creative in their own space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we've actually found a kind of, so far two distinct groups there's um parents who were had outdoor experiences as kids and might identify themselves as outdoorsy and they want their kids to have those same experiences but the barrier is really time and energy and um, things like that and often it's like the time between after school and dinner and 
you know, you need something you can send them off independently to do, even if you are doing outdoor things together as a family on the weekends. Mm-hmm. For sure. So there's kind of that group. And then the other group that we found um, anecdotally and then through our focus groups, and then we've seen it um, in our customers so far, is often um, parents who are either first or second generation to Canada, and they might not have had those outdoor experiences because for us, we learned a lot about the outdoors and had those experiences because of our parents, our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents totally. showing us around. And so there's these people who are new to Canada. They're so excited to be here. There's They, they know that there's this amazing um, scenery and and diverse geography to explore, but they don't even know where to start. Where to begin. Like one person's That's, comment to me was like... I wouldn't have thought like, of that because I, I grew up similar to yourself, just in it, and I take, yeah, I, you take you it for totally granted. You totally take it you for can't. granted. That's a really interesting insight. Um, this one woman I was talking to, she said, oh yeah, like we take our kids to Banff because I want them to experience the mountains, but I get there, I don't know what to do, I don't know like where to start, I'm nervous about bear safety. We end up getting a couple bear claws on Banff Avenue and we go home. Nature is intimidating if you don't know if you don't know what how to approach it. Yeah, it that's can really be, yeah. interesting. Just being really respectful of like if you don't grow up in it, you don't know. But yet we live where in a place that people travel from all around the world to visit, and it's in our backyard. Mm-hmm. So we are, I'd say, in Canada in general, but in Western Canada, we're exceptionally spoiled totally. for the opportunity to go out. But right, if you just go walk down Banff Ave, you could kind of just go walk down walk around Kensington. Mm-hmm. You just have a different view. But to then go off the beaten path, if you will, and then inspiring people and giving them a little bit of confidence. And that's interesting. So it really becomes more of a family adventure in that case. Yeah, you're you're giving the kids activities to do, but then also the materials and the kits are prompting parents as well. I you know, I see uh, do what's your what do you have an age range? Like do you say this is ideal for Yeah, you? officially it's uh, ages eight and up. Okay. Getting insurance to send things to children. Oh, the is things you don't think very of when you sit difficult. here and look at this. I can imagine. Um, That's a very protected market Canada, for we're, good we're, reason. We're really, really um, nervous about, about doing things with kids. And I think okay. actually that culture has been part of the problem because I mean, now put, we're scared put, put it, put to, in a bubble? to get kids outside. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, I was I didn't grow up in a bubble. I didn't wear a helmet when I was doing jumps on my bike in the front yard. <laughs> but I was outside, so my mom was great. Oh, you skin your knee, and that's the way, you know. I, was, I remember some epic crashes that I had, but I, I, I survived. We are quite resilient as, as a human species, or we wouldn't have made it this far. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And it's good for kids. Like, that's um, our activities are all built off of three curriculum pillars it's uh leadership creativity and resilience uh, i was like resilience has to be in there absolutely mm. but it uh, the outdoors is like the perfect place to teach you resilience you know it's so funny i go i got, I got into and i want to be careful with this topic so going out to the bush you know on a hunting trip with a buddy of mine and and he made the comment you know the last fall we were there and he did something silly or something scared all the animals away and he's like well Every time you go out to the bush, you learn something new. Hope you remember it next time. And I was like, that was a very profound statement you just made. Nature will teach you every time. And sometimes a little like, you might skin your knee to learn the lesson, but it'll, it'll definitely put you in that position. And you, but you'll, you, most of the time you'll survive. And some of those lessons are the ones that you're going to take with you for the rest of your life, right? Well, resiliency is so, like, and just the ability to be also resourceful and figure, and figure things out. Like, mm-hmm. even with the box, I'm sure it's laid out, but I imagine you probably would be surprised at some of the ways people will go, oh, I'm going to use it. You know, it's when you buy the Lego kit or you just take a pile of Lego and build something. They're two different approaches. Yes, yeah. One's following instructions. One's like, I'm going to build a plane and I don't care if it looks weird. Just give me the pile of Lego. I'm going to build it. <laughs> and that was our intention too, to have um, these outdoor kits come into the house, but if there's a type of kid that likes to build the Lego to the, just with, with the instructions to spec. to spec, they can do that. And there's um, instructions that they can follow. And then for the kid that just wants to take the stuff outside and have at her, that's great too. Like, well, just like adults, there's conceptual, there's structured, there's analytical, like they, we do all do comes in and then the whole nature nurture thing is a different story. So curious, what did you do before? I'm sure I always joked, you didn't sit around with your guidance counselor and say, I'm going to be an entrepreneur because back when you and I were younger, you get sent to a remedial program for saying something like that. But all of a sudden now, this side hustle and this ability to kind of almost do what you want and almost, I said, I had, um, uh, do you know Mike Morrison? Yes, yeah. Mike's great. I had him on. He goes, Tyler, 
I didn't know what I wanted to do as I grew up because it hadn't been created yet. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a really cool statement he made. And if you think of so much of the things that are available today, fast rewind 20 years ago, they weren't even options. The world didn't exist the way it was. So what did you do before? Like, How did you end up in this cool doing your own thing? Um, I've always been an ideas person for sure. Uh, my dad and my brother, who's a business partner, and myself can sit around and come up with ideas till the cows come home around the campfire oh yeah you typically around the campfire um so that Fire, was fireside chat isn't just a colorful expression it's a real thing oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um that was always kind of instinctively in me after high school i first actually went to acad to do some graphic design and i only lasted there about a semester and i decided i i wasn't I was creative, but I wasn't necessarily artistic, and I wanted to be more on the business side of okay. creativity and, and that sort of thing. So um, a friend of my dad who was in the agency world um, had gotten his Bachelor of Commerce from Haskane here in Calgary, and he said, that's a good route to go. You can do a commerce degree in marketing. Kind of sets you up for a lot of options. And be on the business side of, of this creative industry. So that was largely what led me into that. Um and then my husband moved out to London, Ontario for some training for his work. And I worked for 3M Canada out there in consumer okay. packaged goods, um, which was super fun being in consumer brands and things like that. Oh, what a great learning opportunity. It was a awesome, awesome learning opportunity. That's, your, that's the mini MBA right there. <laughs> it really is because um, in those big consumer packaged goods companies, like you own your P&L, you're responsible yes. for this whole silo. I know a lot of brand. really smart people that have come out of those environments as kind of their background or, their, or the, kind of the proving ground for like the way they think about the world. Yeah, it really helps you take like a more analytical and holistic approach to marketing um, and separating that from like marketing execution and yes. everything like the... 80 steps that happened before that. Um, so we got to work with the lab on product innovation. We worked with research teams. We worked with um, selling awesome. into big retailers and sales and everything. So it was really, I'm jealous really great. a little bit. That sounds like <laughs> the way you're talking about it, you can just see the learning that, that how long were you there for? Uh, we were only there for five years. And then um, so f- only for five years these days is like, that's almost two careers for most people. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> Just to put it in perspective. And then we moved back to Calgary because we missed family and we're mountain people. We like to do biking and hiking and snowboarding. So we came back out here and um, I did my MBA and I worked for a university. I worked for um, a couple smaller agencies. I did some marketing consulting. I did some sales, kind of. So all of the pieces <clears throat> that lead around. to being able to be an entrepreneur where you have like a shelf with many hats that you need to wear in the course of a day. So what was the impetus or what gives you the, the push? Was there, has there already always been a bit of a gnawing, I want to do my own thing or did it just kind of show up? I don't know that I was ever wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I, well, I, I wanted to see an idea through, like that's really rewarding uh, to, mm-hmm. to me to like, I think that was kind of picking at me because ever since I was little and we'd sit around and come up with all these ideas, I'm like, let's just do one. Like let's, and I don't feel we'd ever had one that had enough opportunity or was maybe a good enough idea, but this one was like really gnawing at me. And then when my brother had some time to work with me on kind of flushing out the idea and then we dug into the data around subscription boxes and what was happening here. And then more importantly, this huge problem in Canada that parents are saying like we're actually really struggling and the other thing is it's always timing too right of course um there's enough data now for the kid for kids that have grown up in the last 10 years that's actually saying um there was just some research done that came out of a university in Toronto and Canadian data too about um physical literacy that's lacking in kids that have grown up over the last 10 years directly 
related to the amount of time that they spend indoors and on devices. That's interesting. The concept um, of physical literacy, I just had that introduced to me about a year ago. I had uh, Kyle Schufelt on the on oh. one of the episodes on the podcast and talked about yeah, he's awesome. his journey and everything. But he talked about he opened a school, not a gymnastics school, not for kids that want to go to the Olympics, but more for physical literacy. And he yeah. kind of walked through that. And a good friend of his that I know has two young girls, he's like, it's all about physical literacy. And it really it resonated with me. I just never heard the term. It was about a year old in my mind, that term. Yeah. So, so that's a concern. And then these mental health issues that these kids are going through and, um, and then just these pillars that they're kind of finding gaps in leadership, creativity, resilience. I like what you said though. You said one, like we've been collecting data for long enough now that it's starting to become meaningful. Mm-hmm. And also the challenge often with data is getting Canadian data. It's North yeah. America and we all are North American, but there is differences from one side of the border to the other. So being able to have access to that type of Canadian data is important to validate. Cause there's, it seems like you kind of knew in your gut that this was, this was a thing, but yes, before yeah. you invest as a business, you would need to validate yeah. sometimes or you just go blasting ahead. But risk aversion is not a bad thing. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah, one of the most rewarding things about this so far has been kind of validating some of those assumptions um, that you're like, I think this is going on. And then you see the data to support that and you're like, oh, wow, this is really happening and it's happening at a bigger scale than maybe we even thought of. The ability to take that gut feel and, and layer it in with some proof points mm-hmm. and probably better now than it's ever been because we have this data out there. And you and I talked a little bit before, like it's not about the data, it's how you interpret it and then what you do. What, it's the insights that come from it. It's not the pile of data sitting on the table. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, and I think like as Canadians, it's part of our kind of DNA that we are explorers and that we spend time outside and that we live in this country. The word pioneer access. is coming to my mind. Like, right? Yeah. That is, and very much, I'd say in Western Canada, even more so because it's just, it's newer. <laughs> like we're not that old. No. <laughs> when you look at the, you know, you back up X amount of years ago and you're like, there was nothing going on. Like 225 years ago, we weren't even Canada. That's a crazy concept. It's so powerful to capitalize on, you know, when we look at brand, we look at, you know, what's happening at the competition and what's happening, but we also look at culturally, where's mm, things yeah. moving. Yeah. And as a brand, it's it's way easier to jump on a movement than to create one. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a small company. You're not going to create the culture, but there's something culturally that's happening, which is what I hear you saw and you felt yeah. like it was true to you. And then you validated it. And I'm assuming when you shop the, so talk about the entrepreneur journey. Did you have people tell you you were crazy? Um, or, or did people give you like, yeah, you know what? That's a great idea. Nobody told me I was crazy, but you get a lot of like, oh, cool. <laughs> so you like, so you're just you just don't work anymore. Hey, you know, (laughs) and (laughs) that's awesome. I also, uh, there's this, you know, the phrase mompreneur, Yes, yes. which I don't love. Like I'm a mom, but like I separate that from, I appreciate, I appreciate the you know, perspective. Like I, and as a mom, um, you're the only one qualified to say this. If I say it now, I'm just some guy who's making comments and something he doesn't understand. But as someone who's living it, so what, what is it about the term you don't like? I don't know. It almost like, I'm an entrepreneur, but also I'm a mom, so maybe I'm not doing either of these things. Oh, interesting. To the full. You actually feel I, it takes away a little bit. Kind of. In your mind. Maybe some women really like that. And I, the one. Hey, everyone's entitled to love, what, to like what they like, and not what they like what they like. The one good thing is it's like created a community for for yes. moms. Um, but you can be both, right? You don't have to smush the word together. You can be a good mom and you can be a good entrepreneur. So interesting. I grew up on a farm in Southern Quebec, so everyone is very resourceful and resilient. They're always doing projects. And my mom discovered painting and then she discovered that she needed something to paint on. So then she discovered woodworking and then she started making cabinets. And she, But it was never, but you didn't, no one said mompreneur back then. And she was like, she had this cool business and she did it. She went to craft sales and she sold her stuff. And growing up seeing that, she was like literally doing her own thing all the time. But you didn't, Today we have to we have a lot of buzzwords for things. Mm-hmm. Then it was just she was like she was my mom, but she also was the school painter, and then she became the school cabinet maker, and it was all these things. But it was never qualified male or female or mom or not mom. Like I that was like never s- even part of it. Mushing the words together kind of take away from both of them. You know what? I'm going to say a marketing company had a hand in that. <laughs> we love to make up our terms, but you say community. Have you had a lot of people like that you've been able to lean on peer groups? people to say, hey, I just want to test my idea of someone who's outside. Because we drink our own Kool-Aid sometimes, as entre- well, sometimes, all the time as entrepreneurs. Did you have a cool peer group? You said focus groups, but did you have people that were able to help you on the entrepreneur, not the mompreneur, just the entrepreneur journey? Um, I have a couple um, friends who are entrepreneurs, but in very different industries. Okay. Um, so that's always 
just supportive because it can be a little bit exhausting and it's hard to Lonely wake up every day and keep going. Um, but I'm only starting now to kind of connect with some of these other startups and groups okay. and things like that. Um, I mean, my the people I lean on the most are definitely my brother and sister-in-law who are involved in the company, and that's amazing. <laughs> and uh, Not we, being in it alone, like I've had a business partner for years, and people yeah. always ask, oh, how's, how's having a business partner? I'm like, it's great. I couldn't Someone's have done got it. My, I couldn't have done no, it alone. I would say the same story as, as well. Choose well, because who your partners are do make a big difference. It's like marriage. Make sure you choose well, because if it, we've all seen when it doesn't go well. Yeah. But if you have the right, like it's just two people that have each other's back that care the same amount and can... You know, you're never both usually down on the same day. One can bring you yes, up. Yes, totally. And that psychologically is huge. Yeah. <laughs> when when you're having a like moment where you're like, ah, oh, what are we doing? Is this, are we, this, we're really in it now. And then the other person can come back and say, yes, and this is why we're in it. And remember, we heard this and we're doing this. And yes. Yeah. And we're all different kind of personalities and it's like meshed together really, really well. So. Well, the way you're, you're kind of gleaming when you're glowing when you say it. So, I, I, we're I mean, a year in, so you know they're still. No, but, <laughs> they're but still, but still that's, that's a that's a year. Like I don't know, in entrepreneur years, that's maybe like it's like dog years. That's like probably five <laughs> years of a normal life being one year as an entrepreneur. Did you have any real moments where you're like, what am I doing? Like I need like this. I'm not going to go forward. And then next day you woke up and sober second thought and kept going. Did it ever go down that path, or has it always been like, okay, it's tough, but we're in? Yeah, there was a lot. Like, um, so. Maybe we spent like 500 hours on our business plan, right? And then I believe you. once you kind of had all the, the data and the research and the information and you were like, okay, the, the model works. Um, you have to make some assumptions on sales growth and what you're going to start out at. And those are educated guesses. There's industry data, but those are educated guesses. You mean forecasting um, isn't science? <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, okay, we know it could work. We did some testing. We yep. did the focus groups. We think there's demand, you know, all those things. But to make the plunge from, you know, you invested a lot of hours and time and energy in the business plan, but then to move forward and then all of a sudden like a lot of costs start coming well, in. Well, yeah, there's time the, and then there's real money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, to, it's all going out the first yes, <laughs> several yes, it months. Is. That, that takes a lot of belief in the future. You've got to almost live in the future to deal with sometimes what feels very painful in the moment. Yes, yeah. So that's like the in the summer we kind of had like a, a came together and we're like, this is our no go go moment. Okay. And um, we talked about it and thought about it a lot, and we we're like, we got to go, and we got to go now because someone else will. So. Yes, it's it's amazing once a good idea starts exist in the universe is someone all of a sudden you're like oh wow how did that I, like geez i just thought of that i'm two months ago now i'm seeing it happen it's funny how that works it's kind of hard to be the when you when you're the first to go though uh, it's yes. good to be first to market but i know it's scary. yeah i know and, and but there's lots of theories around like sometimes the second to market sells what the first one did did it differently and went forward yeah you know the first person has the most arrows in their back and you know all those sayings or you capitalize the opportunity someone looks and go well you already got it we're gonna move on to something else so there is that as well like we'll go pick a different beach to land on because this one's already taken and if you guys can develop that beachhead and go no this is us we own this we own this market just curious and not not to get too much into the details but did you guys self-finance did you have external investment is did you bootstrap it? Did you do it as lean and mean as you can and trying to get to market and test before you brought in any external funding? How did that look for you guys? Um, so far, we self-funded. So okay. there was an initial um, contribution from each of the business partners. And then we've lined up some financing through a bank that should get us through. Okay, so you're not straight up borrowing the money, not giving up any, not giving up any ownership? Nope, not yet. Okay. We've... Uh, put that all into our, our business model that should get us through the first two, three years. Oh, nice. Okay. Right on. And then, uh, you know, but it just, you just don't know what's going to happen. Right. The, of one of the most interesting things of going through the business plan and stuff and like, I did a commerce degree, I did an MBA, like I should know this. And, and I do, I did, but it's so different when it's tangible and it's you and it's going through the process. But that the most financial strain actually happens when things are going really well. And so when we did all the modeling and things like that, the, the time that you're going to need money and um, it's going to be trickier decisions is actually when things are going well. And it's like, how are we going to grow? Where are we going to get the money to grow? Are we going to give up equity? Are like how... 
is that going to look? And that's where partner issues come in. Like I've, I've listened to a lot of these podcasts and and that's sometimes the breaking point for a lot of people because one partner's like, I'm all in, let's go. We, I want to invest. I want to grow. Ma- let's max out the credit cards. Totally, let's do yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah. And, so, and then you got risk aversion, which is not wrong. And go, whoa! I've got a yeah. family. I've got mortgage. I've got, I've got, I've got more risk profile that I'm not willing to share. And you're right. That can I've seen that happen as well. Right. And so you read about those in business school. You read a million case studies, but when it's your own business and you're working through the financials, like that was one of the biggest. I don't know. Aha's for me it was like okay, like if things go steady eddy this is what it looks like but the scarier thing is actually if it really not scary but more intimidating thing for me is actually what if things go much better faster than you think it's so funny i heard the joke the other day being a business owner is like being a deer in the forest you always have to be alert because everything is everything can kill you success kills you failure kills you status quo kills you i like, totally every- feel like a deer right <laughs> now <laughs> Well, we got the outdoor reference. I thought I'd, I'd like, start. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ears are always up. What's going on? I yeah, just thought that was all the coffee I've been drinking. <laughs> I might be, it might be, a, might be a combination. No, I really appreciate your honesty because it is it, when it's your own thing. You know, you and I both worked in the position of advising other companies. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can stand up in front of a boardroom and tell a group of executives this is what you should do with your business mm-hmm. and be very confident and clear and done yeah. my research. And as soon as you bring your personal investment into that and your own self, it changes. Like there's for me, I don't know, and I'm totally. most people like it, it's a whole different game. That was another like, big motivation to do this was that um, over the last couple of years I've been working as a marketing consultant and making recommendations and things like that to um, business owners and it's, you know, really um, hard because often it's it's big decisions to summit the next growth plateau, right? And so it's it's a little bit of risk that needs to be taken and they were having such hard times making those decisions and I thought to myself, you know, the only thing that's going to make me a better consultant is to go through this process myself and be able to like truly empathize as a as a business owner and say like I've been through this. I so that was another um motivation is just like walk the walk. Yes, because so much of it is mindset and understanding of of how it feels and that's hard to put that on a spreadsheet. You can lay it all out and it all looks great, but what what if? Mm-hmm. What kind of risk am I actually taking? So you guys, um, you're live. You're li- like this is happening now. Are, there, are these being shipped as we're as I hold this this coveted this this box? You can open hand? it. I'm going to. I don't okay. for some reason I'm waiting. I don't know. I think we might sit it's down. It's not on, Christmas. I think, you don't have to wait. Oh, but I want to. I think everything every day should feel like Christmas. I love Christmas. Um, I'm like, but I'm just I'm getting as much mileage out of this as I can. We might wait and uh, after the episode uh, we'll get the camera going and we maybe we'll do a little unboxing and you and I can sit on the floor sure. and see what's inside. Sure. Um, but yes, I am. I'm coveting it a little bit. I'm not sure why. I think I just think it's super cool. So are these being shipped into homes right now? Uh, so the website went live on Monday. So we are taking orders, which is nice. super exciting So this to is, see. we're recording on March 11th today. So this is going to be airing in a few weeks, but I want to get it out there because I want people to know about it. So the beginning of March, you've now gone live. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we're going to take orders. Um, this month is going to be, we're going to extend the window a little bit longer because we're participating in um, the Calgary Outdoor Adventure Show. So of of course you are. At the trade show on March 21st and 22nd. So we're going to take orders um, all the way up to March 23rd and then we'll ship out um, the first boxes in April. Do you have, uh, is your garage piled to the ceiling with these boxes right now? Or like, not, I don't want to give up any trade secrets. So don't, you, don't, don't share anything you feel. It was getting a little hairy. So we've actually rented um, a warehouse space. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's not too far from our Every step is a house. little more real, a little more real, a little more real. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, once it took over the kitchen counter, you needed to find other ways to store these. Oh yeah. It was, <laughs> but everyone's really excited. Like everyone I talked to is like, for some reason, really excited about packing boxes. That's great. Well, it is a little bit like Christmas. It's fun. And you, and you, when you think about the experience... You feel like a little elf. Absolutely. Because <laughs> you're like, this is like just sending the box is the start of this adventure. So you know, if you look at the journey of this box, I think that's a fun little video to kind of see it coming together. And yeah. then once it opens and then like... The, the, the hundreds of directions that I'm imagining what's in this box can take someone that opens it. That's kind of a cool in terms of endless possibilities, which is what you're creating, right? Mm. I loved getting mail as a kid and I can't imagine how excited I would have been to get like a different little themed kit every month to... 
Oh yeah, I just yeah. Even getting the Sears catalog was a big thing. <laughs> but just so I could think about what I could get, like it wasn't even the thing. <laughs> totally. Oh, that's a, oh, that's amazing. So, thoughts, advice. Like you're on the journey, you're in it. Someone's sitting here listening. They're like, "This is pretty inspiring. I've got an idea." Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that I heard you say that I think you did really did really well. You got out there. You talked to the customers. You mm-hmm. did focus groups. You didn't just sit in your basement and go, "I'll let them know when it's perfect." You know, and my precious and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Getting out there and whether you're running a large business or small, lots of times we don't get customers involved in the conversation soon enough. So I, I huge kudos for you on that. And you were your own target market, which can be good and risky at the same time. So any advice for anyone who's, you know, whether it's a mom or anybody sitting out there going, man, this is, I'm inspired. What should, what would you, what would you say to them? I heard something recently that said, um, the common denominator of successful people is not how smart they are. It's not how, uh, where they went to school or anything like that. It's that they did something, that they're, that they they're took, people... They, they acted. They acted. It's people who take action is the common denominator of people who are successful. And the, one of the reasons that I've come on and done some of the podcast interviews is because I've been listening to them incessantly over the last few months and found them um, so supportive to hear people's stories of where things started and how a little idea can turn into a big business. And um, so I think absolutely do your research, spend a lot of time um, making sure that the model works and then make some educated guesses and then just do it, you know, yes, just do it. It's hard to take the leap, but, um, the other thing that my business partners and I have said a number of times to each other, um, although we're super confident in the ability for this to be successful, we've always said the worst thing that could happen is we will learn so much. We will learn more than we could ever learn doing anything else um, over the next six months, couple years. So, you know, I think... Well, I think being that's an, the worst thing that could really happen. Uh, I think it's really good to put that into perspective because we can really, we're, I'm very good at hallucinating and fantasizing on how bad it can be. And it's mm-hmm. never as bad as what I make up in my mind. It's so funny. But so much of what you said about, you know, the box, when you open the box, what can happen, what the possibilities are, you're going to learn through doing. And this is a very experiential thing you're doing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more experiential than, try, than, start, than trying or doing it and starting a business. Yeah. And you're right. And, you know, you have an MBA, which is kudos to you for that. I've heard from my CFO, she's an old school. She's like, Tyler, show me someone who has a failed business. I'll show you someone who's got an MBA. That's good enough for me. And she's kind of just that way about, about life. And she's like, yeah, sure, go get your MBA. But when you have something go successful, she goes, you learn. But when you have something go sideways, you yeah. learn even more. Yeah. And you know, I, I do fully embrace, I, I, think we're, I think we're slowly moving into a world where getting it wrong isn't failure anymore. It is learning. And mm-hmm. I think that is a change of beliefs. Life isn't a pass-fail. Like, oh, you got 61, you've, you passed. You got 59, you failed. Like, I don't even know if that's still how it works. I haven't been in school for a while. But that's not how <laughs> being an entrepreneur works. No. Today I'm going to have three ideas go really well and I'll probably have hopefully 2.5 ideas not go well. I still want to hope I'm on the winning side, but I'm going to learn probably more from that blowout. <laughs> yeah. Just take action and don't be, don't be afraid. And Yes. And surround yourself with people. To, like you, you have partners and you have peers. I think that's really important because sometimes failure can feel like failure, but when you've got someone go, whoa, 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 hey, let's look at what we learned here. And then you can pull you out of it really quick. Totally. Sometimes you have to be able to pivot your moods to go, this mood is no longer serving me. I need to go over here and go forward. And for me, outside input can really help that. And I think for all the research that you can do too, some of it is like, you just have to listen to your gut. And, yes. you know, I think I was reading something or listening to a podcast, Chip Wilson. The yeah, I just heard him. Uh, I was at the gathering two weeks ago and he's, he was, uh, they did an interview on stage. So he chatted quite a bit about his journey. He talks a lot about that. Instinct, right? Yeah, and he's 100%. like, I kind of see things two or three times and I piques my interest to dig into it a little deeper. So well, there's the curiosity back to what we even talked about at the beginning. Mm. Yeah. So if you, if you're seeing things pop up two, three, four times, like, Peel the onion. <laughs> I agree. It's you so know? easy to kind of talk ourselves out of like, ah, I kind of see this thing. I wonder, and oh, I'm sure someone else has done it, or I'm, I'm sure it's maybe not. Mm-hmm, like, exactly. It's a, it, yeah. Like, be curious and 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 don't uh, don't devalue your own your own thoughts. Don't devalue your own instinct. I think that's a really nice way to put it. Yeah, 
because there is so much of it that you're right. You can analyze it, you know, to death, analysis paralysis. But I, I, a friend of mine, actually someone else on the podcast, uh, Alice Wheaton is her name. She was the first female saleswoman for Xerox Canada back in the seventies oh. and then became the number one salesperson and just killed it. And cool. now she's a sales trainer. Interesting. She's a fantastic lady. So high energy. And she says, Tyler, show me a perfectionist. I'll show you a procrastinator. I was like, <laughs> and it stuck with me for years. She told me like 15 years ago, because you're always so waiting it to, to be perfect. You'll never get anything done. And yeah. then consequently, you also won't learn anything. And yes. you just get really good at telling a story why, you, why it's not quote unquote perfect. So yeah. little catchy phrases. Part of the like failure culture too, right? If you wait till something's perfect, then maybe it's too late. If you launch when you're 95% there and there's a chance that things are going to need to be adjusted or change or you're going to have failures along the way. Like at least you're out there. At least you're learning. Totally. I heard that. I feel like we're doing catchy buzz phrase one one here, but I was listening to some other, I'm listening to podcasts. When you listen to podcasts, you get so many sound bites in your head and you don't even know where they came from. Like if you're not slightly embarrassed of your prototype, you waited too long to launch. <laughs> I, like that. I heard that the other day and it was about a SaaS. It was talking about SaaS. Like, get it out there, get people using it. Trust me, they'll tell you what they hate. Like, yeah. And what you think they're not going to like, you're probably wrong. Yes. You know, be yeah. slightly embarrassed of your prototype. And I was like, oh, that's so easy to say in a podcast, but like to do sometimes. Like, I would I struggle think with that a bit. So, what we showed the focus groups back in the summer, and yep. I'm like, Oh, the face I thought those were good. Like this is gonna be wait till we blow the board. Yeah, well, because totally. I'm sure that focus group is your first target mailing list and yeah. your first kind of group of building your culture. Yes, yeah, so you guys did minimal viable and kind of got it just basically oh, yeah. cut out cardboard and made your own boxes exactly. and did all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Ordered a rubber stamp and stamped the box and now looking back I'm like, Man, I can't believe we showed that to people. But that's the right way to do it though. Like is that you're right. Why go stay back in your in your cave or your basement or whatever the entrepreneur story is and like invest all this money and then have mm-hmm. people go, nah, I don't really get it. Versus wow, I could have done that with my own cardboard box and a rubber stamp. So that's I think that's a great lesson. And I think I'm hearing it more and more everywhere, but we do get locked into our and let's be honest, we're in a we both we live in Calgary. We've had a five year downturn. We've got some very smart people that I talk to a lot of the startup community. There's a lot of smart people sitting in their basement waiting for their idea to be perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Versus you talk to Startup Calgary and they're like, no, bring us your like napkins, bring us your back of the envelope, bring us your ideas. Like that's get out of the, and get into a community that's going to say, hey, have you thought of this? How you thought of that? And I still, you know, I think sometimes the more technically oriented the individuals are, the more they get locked into the mm-hmm. perfectionist procrastinator. That's a, maybe a broad statement, but we, this is a town that has a very high quotient of very highly technically skilled individuals mm-hmm. that love to get things perfect and then write a five page paper on it in eight point font that no one's going to read <laughs> maybe there's another way I don't know now I'm getting into the, my commentary on the Calgary economy but I think that we have such an entrepreneurial city get out there and let it take some risk it's okay mm-hmm. and you know you don't know where it will lead like we're starting with subscription boxes but really we feel like nobody's owning the outdoor space for young kids interesting um so although the boxes are the first thing that's coming out we'd like to like build an outdoor brand for kids because that's the movement right yeah, the, yeah you're you're not in the you're not in the box business you're in the getting kids outdoors and exploring who they are as people and developing their personalities that's what i'm hearing so right. not to put yeah. words in your mouth but no, i'm hearing and that loud the and goal clear. is to get kids outdoors so if the boxes don't work we'll do something else and that's super powerful when you get back to what the actual purpose is mm-hmm. going back to what your beliefs and your own values growing up were so much about that like I, you say that you immediately smile when you start talking about those experiences you had when you were younger everyone does like any adult totally you right. ask like tell me about your favorite childhood memories like four out of five times they're going to be outdoors that is, uh, it's, you're, you're right. I'm thi- as you're talking, I'm thinking about that. Again, I was very fortunate because I grew up in a rural community, so everything was outdoors. Like, yeah. your life was outdoors from your dirt bike to your swimming pool to, like, let's go play in the lilac bush because it looks a lot like a fort. Right, yeah. <laughs> and making my sister come and play with me even though she didn't want to. Like, no, we're going to play war. It's going to be great. <laughs> come on. And she was a couple years younger. So, and I'll, sell, I'll send her this podcast and she'll be like, maybe her memories of it are different than mine. But anyways, let's not get into the details. <laughs> Um, Janelle, it was fantastic having you come on the show. We're gonna—I think we might do it. I've never done an unboxing video, so maybe we'll do it after because I'm really resisting opening this thing for some weird reason. Um, I'm really glad you brought it in. I was hoping I was gonna message you this morning, but I think I figured you—you you were. So if somebody wants to check you guys out, they're—they're they're you're gonna be at the outdoor show, so I will, I'll, we'll make sure we do a shout out for that. Is it jointhewildlife.ca? Is that the best way? Yes, that's right. And are you guys on social media? Have you got it? I know it's early days, so I'm sure you're working on it. Uh, no, yeah, we're. Uh, I've got a Facebook, pretty active Facebook and Instagram page, and they're both um, 
Facebook is join the wildlife CA and Instagram is the wildlife CA. I had to think about that. Okay. No, that's <laughs> awesome. I, yeah, I get it. Um, <clears throat> one last question. Cause something, this is so challenging that we deal with all the time. How was finding the name? Um, yeah, it is a challenge. Uh, we spent oh, quite a bit of time. Sure I don't know. All the good that. names are taken. So annoying. And, uh, we haven't gone through the trademarking process yet. We have been in touch with a trademarking lawyer, but Perfect. trademarking has actually changed a lot in the last yes, six months. Has. Oh, really? Um, oh, in the last six months? Okay. Yeah, I used to be able to like sort of trademark a name and use it across product categories, and now you actually have to apply for specific categories. Yeah. So, yes. and because the box, like the contents of the boxes, are so diverse, we'd actually have to apply for like number of different um which every for anyone who's listening every category increase your cost yeah, yeah every yeah. category increase and your if cost. you want to do like apparel and t-shirt that's a whole nother category and um so yeah. definitely something we're we're looking into but um it's all part of the journey <laughs> yeah it'll be funny to look back at some of like the bad names like i think our working name when we first started was jj's rangers which is pretty bad <laughs> <laughs> hey everything starts see you gotta be careful with working titles sometimes they tend to they they, they, they come alive <laughs> and it's a hard age group like uh you didn't want anything that was too young and we felt like wildlife was kind of encapsulated what we're trying to do like do you the, ever you should never really grow out of wildlife of you living should the never wildlife. grow out of living the wildlife and it's everything from um backcountry camping to you know, noticing something as you're walking down the street to a meeting downtown, you know, like that's also the wildlife, just looking up and appreciating a nice sunny day or some cool looking clouds or a weird bug that crosses your path. A weird bug. I heard something a long time ago and, it, and why, why nature is so relaxing for us as humans, because there is actually, it's not because there's nothing going on. It's because there's actually so much going on, but the way our brains align with it, it actually is more soothing because there's so much stimulus. We talk about go there cause there's nothing, but the stimulus of our normal world, it's, it's new. Like the stimulus of a screen is 10 years old, but the stimulus of the wind, nature, sun, bugs, chirping, like noises in the forest your actually brain gets stimulated to a point that it actually causes it to relax because it's more in balance with what your brain is used to. And it was such a peaceful, Weird. I was like, that is a really cool thought. Because really if you go cool to nature, thought. like, oh, I love it there because there's nothing going on. There's so much going on, actually. It's almost, in a way, it actually neuro neuro neurologically settles your brain out because it aligns. I hmm. thought it was just a really cool concept. It always stuck with me. That's really neat. On, on that note, Janelle, any last, any last words on this adventure you'd like to share with uh, the audience who's now on the edge of their seat waiting to go check your website out right now? <laughs> Um, no, I think, um, we're super excited about where this could go and I think success for us would be seeing and hearing from our customers that the kids are inspiring kids to get outdoors more often and, um, inspiring parents to be excited about the outdoors too. And, um, yeah, this we, isn't, the trick is that this is for kids, but it's not, it's not really just for kids. <laughs> exactly. Um, but we, don't tell, don't tell the parents that we'll, we'll, we'll just, we'll sneak it in. <laughs> parents for decades have been struggling with their kids stealing their gear and now it'll be the other way around. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's a success problem. I love it. Janelle, thank you so much for your honesty and like a huge congratulations. I think this is a wonderful idea and I, I love your passion for it. So thank you for sharing. Thanks. Thanks for chatting with me. Oh, my pleasure. Hello, and thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. I want to let you in on a little secret. I absolutely love doing these podcasts. The learning, the people, the curiosity, the insights, the, the wow factor of meeting people that I thought I knew and learning their deeper stories really proves the value of what happens when you take the time to be curious and actually care enough to ask. With that, I'm looking for your feedback. I'm looking for your input. I'm looking for what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, where you'd like to see it headed in terms of guests, in terms of questions, a little bit deeper, please feel free to share. We'd love to get your feedback. Visit us on iTunes, it's on Spotify. Give us your review. Give us your five stars if you feel so inclined. But more importantly, give us your feedback. Give us your input on what you want to hear on future shows and we will absolutely incorporate it. Thank you again for listening and have an awesome day. <laughs>